Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Joshua 7, And they raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. If you want to write Hosea 2.15 in your Bible, later on that valley is called the Valley of Hope. Every time a scene like this happens where there's a terrible judgment, God seems to turn it around and give a glimmer of light. But this is a serious matter. The children of Israel are going into the promised land. God's been giving warning after warning. Don't touch that stuff. Burn it all. I don't want you to be infiltrated. I don't want you to be stained in any way. And of course, Achan made a huge mistake. It would seem that all of his family knew what he was doing. They were in cahoots together, if you will. And man, a serious judgment happened. And you'll notice if you go back to 1 Samuel 10, uh, God has asked for all the tribes to line up and if you know your Bible and you've gone to Sabbath school that last Saturday, you're going, you know, uh, I remember a story from Joshua <laughs> where the clans lined up and there was a warning giving, given. 1 Samuel 10:20. Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near. The tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its families. Now you have the, the 12 tribes. Now it's, been, now it's down to Benjamin by its families. And the Matrite family was taken, now a particular family within the tribe. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken, again, implication by Lot. They would, they would cast lots, and they were doing this by elimination. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Now, if Saul remembered the story of Joshua, is it any wonder why he's hiding? He's thinking, let's see, this sounds vaguely familiar. They lined up the tribes, and there's this guy named Achan. <laughs> I thought things were going positively, but now I'm not sure. So, all of a sudden, it's become known that Saul's the man. And Saul is nowhere to be found. Therefore, they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, presumably uh, through the prophet Samuel, behold, he's hiding himself by the baggage. It's hard because he was so tall. It's hard to hide when you're tall. Baggage is a kind of a, a generic term. We don't know what the baggage was. I don't know if it was a bunch of suitcases or <laughs> what it was. But Saul's over there hiding in the baggage. What's he hiding from? Being made king. Of course, I don't know if he's put it all together yet. I mean, he's been told things, but he's still a fearful guy. Maybe he's timid. I mean, a lot's going on and He's hiding among the baggage. Uh, sometimes the application is that we hide in our baggage, don't we? You know, we, God's got a call in our lives, and we know the call is good. We know we've received a changed heart, an anointing, a, an empowering. We've experienced the power of God. And then all of a sudden, God wants to do maybe something deeper and something you know, more radical or profound. And what are we doing? We're back with our baggage. We've got a lot of baggage. You got a lot of baggage? <laughs> we all have it, right? And there's Saul. Let me just ask you a question. Is your baggage keeping you from what God would have you to do? 
You know, the Lord wants to take that and get it out of the way. And you might say, well, he doesn't, he doesn't truly understand the rejection I feel. No, he just gets rejected every day by millions of people. You see, if you don't think God understands rejection, he does. He's rejected by millions of people whom he made every single day. The Bible says Jesus was despised and rejected or forsaken by men, right? And we go when we go to our high priest, who, by the way, is in heaven, human, he's God, fully God, but fully man. He is forever a theanthropus, the God-men. This is what scholars say, that when he rose in that resurrection body and he will return in like fashion, he is still the resurrected God-man. So that when you pray to him and you feel rejected, you know what? He can both sympathize and empathize. When you're falsely accused, he can sympathize and empathize. When you're rejected by someone you try to reach out to with the love of Christ and the truth of the kingdom, he can sympathize and empathize. See, we have a a Savior who understands. He even understands your baggage. He even knows when you're hiding (laughs) and where you're hiding. Because they said, where is he? God said, he's over there in his baggage. I wonder if God can see me when I'm over here. Yeah. He knows where you're hiding, when you're hiding, and even why you're hiding. (laughs) Sometimes hiding is a pretty favorable option. (laughs) Doesn't sound bad sometimes. What are you doing over here? Hiding in my baggage. (laughs) Why? Because people are chasing me. (laughs) Well, I just helped you overcome 600 of the prophets of Baal. I know, but that woman Jezebel is chasing me now. (laughs) I just did a mighty work in your life. I know, but I don't know if you could do it again. So I'm hiding. So, do you remember the story of Achan? When they realized by the casting of lots that it was Achan, the people ran to the tent. So notice this. So they ran, 23, and took him from there. <laughs> oh no! And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Saul was truly head and shoulders above the rest. And you looked into a group, it wasn't hard to see Saul. He was tall. In fact, 1 Samuel 9.2 says of Saul, he's a choice and handsome man. 1 Samuel 9.2. There was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. He was the best looking, tallest, most capable looking dude around. And yet... When it was time to answer the call, he was hiding in the baggage. Sometimes we can fool people on the outside, right? Man, boy, that person looks impressive, strong, confident. Uh, I'm sharing on the radio, uh, the Ecclesiastes study is being broadcast on multiple radio stations, and I told the story of Robin Williams, you know, who just recently took his life, and like... 
Can you imagine spending a day with Robin Williams? You would think that it would be a laugh fest. You would think that he'd be cracking jokes in the living room left and right. You'd knock back a cup of coffee and he'd be entertaining you. And yet, apparently Robin Williams was a very depressed person. So much so that the reports apparently indicate that he took his life. Wow. Well, this is precisely the kind of man that the children of Israel wanted. They wanted someone to fight their battles. They wanted someone looking very kingly. And God would say later in 1 Samuel 16, I gave you what you asked for. This is my addition. I gave you Saul. His name literally means asked for. But I don't look at the outward appearance. What I look at is the heart. What we do, let's face it, as Americans, we choose leaders based upon looks, oratory skills. Boy, that guy talks well. He may have absolutely no substance to his life, but he's impressive in front of a camera. We may know nothing about that person, but there's something about that guy I just like. There's something about that gal that impresses me. But we often do that by the cover of the book. I mean, when's the last time you stopped and said, hey, hey, you know what, I'd like to open the pages a little bit and get to know you, know who you are, what you stand for. Well, Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? Notice the sovereignty of God. Even though Samuel's the one that anointed him and the people were asking, God is behind the whole thing. The Lord has chosen. Surely there is no one like him among all the people. It's confirmed by Samuel. Yeah, he's, man, this guy's good looking. He's tall. So all the people shouted and said, here it is. Long live the king. Long live the king. Yay! Now, this is the first time, actually, that he's called the king. He's been called the prince. He's been called the leader. He's not even really officially in that capacity yet. But the people are excited to acclaim him as king. And Samuel told the people the ordinances of the kingdom. Verse 25, he wrote them in the book and placed it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, each to his house. If you have a New King James, it says, Now, just think about everything that's happened now. This kind of a formal way to do this now. Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. He wrote it in a book and he laid it before the Lord. And some see in this a process of a constitution or an official act on the part of the prophet where he is now recorded in writing and put it before the Lord, the covenant. This is what the king will do. This is his role. This is his responsibilities. I told you in 1 Samuel 8, as we went through this before, that uh, Samuel said, the king you're asking for is going to take, 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 do you remember that study? And take some more. What you want, he's going to take everything from you. In Deuteronomy 17, just write it down because we went over it in a previous message, 14 through 20, God knew a king was coming and he said that king shall not multiply horses or wives to himself. Uh, he, he's not to have his heart turned away. And he's always to have the book of the law. He's to have his own handwritten copy of the law and he's to lead the people by the law of God. He's not to take, take, take. He's not to multiply things to himself. He's a servant of God and the people. And what uh, scholars see in this transaction is a formalizing of his role. The ordinances of the kingdom. It's placed in a book. It's put in writing. And it's placed before God. This is what we do at ceremonies. When a Jewish uh, couple was going to marry, 
they would literally have a marriage contract. They would pour a cup of wine. The two dads were involved. And they would have a marriage contract. It was the, the, the uh, responsibilities of the groom and the bride. And they would have it in writing. It would be sealed officially in a ceremony before Almighty God. It was laid before God. It was, you promised to do this. You promised to do that. It's a covenant. And God is presiding over this whole thing. When we swear people into office... Hopefully we'll continue to do this. What do people do? And what do they do? They make a formal covenant before the Lord. And what is being said here is that there's a certain behavior expected of royalty. And by the way, you are royalty. There's a certain behavior of those who are citizens of the king and the kingdom and the behavior of royalty is recorded in a, a book that contains 66 books. And all of it's in here. The empowering for the behavior, the expectations of those who serve the king and how this can be accomplished. And so everybody went away. Samuel still seems to be in charge because even Saul went to his own house at Gibeah, 26. And the valiant men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Saul uh, has now a constitution. He has an army some valiant men would appear to be his military right-hand men. And Saul goes back to Gibeah. What's interesting about Gibeah, it's three miles north of Jerusalem. Saul's hometown was notorious in Israel's recent history because a terrible rape and murder happened in Gibeah. It's recorded in Judges 19, 22 through 30. It led to a bloody conflict between the tribe of Benjamin and the rest of the tribes of Judges. And one writer says, Curiously, the account that preserves Gibeah's infamy is framed by a reference to the fact that in those days there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in his own eyes. And that was Saul's hometown. And so Saul goes back home and he's got some men who have touched uh, the Lord has touched their heart and they become, they are men of valor and they are the, the host, if you will. They're the military. Every leader needs good men and women whose hearts have been touched by God to support what he does. And thank you that you guys do that. I know you guys pray for me. I'm not the only one preaching and teaching here, but you guys send me notes. You say, Pastor Michael, I'm praying for you. You come up to me. And, and it's good. I'll tell you what, as a leader, and I'm nothing other than just what God has done in my life. But as a leader, it's always nice if you have a few people that you can look behind you and they got you back. They got you back in prayer. They say, look, if you've got to say a hard thing and you've got to deal with a difficult subject, we've got your back, Pastor. We're praying for you. Deeply appreciated. But, and there's always a but, last verse. But certain worthless men, the New King James says, some rebels said, how can this one deliver us? And they despised him. Now, just think about what's happened here. If they looked at Saul and said, how can this man deliver us? If he was the tallest, the most handsome, and apparently the strongest dude around, what were they looking for? But it would seem, and this is some conjecture, but think about it. It would seem that what made them unhappy was that Saul would still be under the prophet's 
jurisdiction, if you will, and he would still rule the kingdom under God's rule. You see, it would seem that some people in Israel said, when we get a human king, we don't want the Lord reigning over us anymore. We want to be like all the other nations. Forget about a constitution. Forget about the behavior of royalty. When we get a human king, we want to be like them over there. And when they saw that Saul went home and Samuel said, and he let Samuel put together this, these rules and he was listening and he was paying attention. Well, some people said, ah, same old, same old. Well, no, we want a king like the other nations. We don't want, the, we don't want this rule of God anymore. We don't want him to have a copy of the law. We don't want the Bible to dictate what this nation does anymore. Hmm. In fact, maybe we shouldn't just we should just not have a Bible around when people are sworn into office. That way, we could be like other nations because they're all doing so great. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Nothing. So, all of a sudden, some people said, you know, there's some brave people, they, their hearts were touched by God, but they, look at, they're not even kind of, well, maybe we'll give them six months. They despised him. And they did not bring him any present. But he, he kept silent. The New King James says he held his peace. And Saul has been officially proclaimed by God in front of the masses. And there's certain people that say, I'm not even going to bring him one of those coffee mugs. <laughs> no way! He doesn't have my vote. Can you imagine that? You have a couple people come up to you, hey Saul, we got your back, all right, let's go, the kingdom. Certain people go, hey, yeah. <laughs> Don't even expect a Christmas card. <laughs> wow. You haven't even done anything as a king yet. You're just hiding with your baggage. <laughs> okay, I'll be the king. We despise you. Sometimes it doesn't have to do, there's, it has nothing to do with who you are. It's just your position. It's just your name. You're a Christian. Oh, I despise those people. Why, you don't even know me. You might like me if you got to know me. <laughs> no. You go by that book, don't you? You know, there was a king that came to his own. I don't know what's happening out there tonight, folks, but wow. There was a king that came to his own, and his own would not receive him. And they said, we will not have this man rule over us. How can this man deliver us? Look at him. He's dying on a cross. He's under the curse of God. He's not the deliverer. He can't bring any deliverance to us. How's he going to defeat Rome? He calls himself a Messiah. And you know what he did from the cross? He held his peace. And even though he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. You know, sometimes as a Christian, you feel like you're getting that, and 
how do you respond? You know, everything in us sometimes wants to repay evil for evil, something we're going to study in Romans 12 again. I leave you with 1 Peter's prepare our hearts for communion. It says in 2.20, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting him to, himself to him who judges righteously. Listen to these words as we go into communion tonight. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Father, as we uh, prepare our hearts now for communion, we pray that you will be glorified in our lives as we serve the greatest king in the greatest kingdom, the one that will last forever. Help it to be in our conversations that we can bring up the kingdom of God. We can represent the king well. We can spend time with you so that we have the power of the kingdom. And we can be ambassadors of that kingdom as though you were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. Thank you that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you bore my shame at the cross, bore my punishment. The king was slain for me. And I'm so grateful. Lord, you didn't stay on the cross and you didn't stay in the tomb. You're our risen Lord, ever living to intercede for your people. The king is on his throne of grace. And he's ready to, to, to receive us and to pour out mercy and help in our time of need. Lord, as we come to your table tonight as believers, we come anxious to meet you. Whatever you would reveal to our hearts tonight about the things that we've heard that are of you, would you allow them to percolate in our souls and go down deep where we can use them to bring assurance to our own lives and then to help us to be witnesses of your kingdom. Thank you for these elements that cause us to remember all you were willing to pay to secure our citizenship, which is in heaven. We eagerly wait for a Savior, Christ the Lord, who will transform the bodies of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the very power that he has to subdue all things to himself. With your head and heart bowed, before we take the Lord's Supper, if you don't know Christ, maybe you've been far away, maybe you're a prodigal, it's time to come home. Come back to the king. He has open arms for you. If you're a non-Christian, it's something like this, and you, you will be invited to partake of this Lord's Supper, but just secure. Uh, make, make, it, make it official. Let him come in and change your heart. It's something like this. Pray it out loud if it's you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. I receive you as my king my Savior, and my Lord. I turn from my sin and I turn to you through Jesus. Maybe you have a heavy heart tonight and you've just been going through a tough time and you need the King's touch. He's here. 
ready to touch you and meet you where you are. I pray that he will just strengthen your burden. You remember what he went through, that he's not a distant deity, but he cares. Thank you, Lord, for that person who just needs some encouragement tonight. And then, Lord, for the rest of us, just help us to be witnesses of your kingdom, who you are. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.